Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 535. And Van Halen on Rock 102. It's Friday already. Thank God. Oh, my God. I thought we'd never get here. It's going to be partly cloudy today. A high of 21 tonight. Mainly clear, but cold. Temperatures are dropping down to about 2. And uh, for tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high of 27. It's 10 degrees. 10. In downtown Springfield. Uh, later on today, another shot of winning that Amazon Echo Dot with code word Alexa. We'll give you code word, and you'll have until noon today to get into rock102.com to submit that code word for your chance to win. There's that. There's other stuff, too. Dave Coombs from Laser 99.3 helps me out for at least one more day. And then we all get back to normal by next. Attention New England. Le- rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 551 and Led Zeppelin on Rock 102. Hey, good morning. Highs in the low 20s today. Mid to high 20s tomorrow. Low 30s Sunday. It's going to be cold, but lots of sun on tap at least. A few clouds mixed in as well. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Hey, what do you say we hop right into some Hollywood trash with Dave Coombs filling in for Steve Nagel on Rock 102? All right, let's go. Jennifer Lopez coming back. From what? To The Voice. Oh. J-Lo in talks to join The Voice as a replacement for either Ariana Grande or Blake Shelton. Well, Blake Shelton, isn't uh, isn't he kind of like a like a fixture on that show? I would think. Look, if they replace Blake Shelton, I'm not watching anymore. Wait a minute. I you don't watch it already. <laughs> exactly. It's not a bad show, as those kind of shows go. Did you have a favorite? Did you watch American Idol? Did you watch The Voice? Have you watched The Masked Singer? Have you watched any of those shows? Jesus, all these questions. What is this, the SATs? <laughs> no, I, uh, I when American Idol first came out, mm-hmm. I uh, I watched it, but not because I was uh, you know thrilled to see who would win. I just thought like the, the really bad auditions were, were fantastic. Mm-hmm. That To me, that was the reason to watch. William Hung. I loved William Hung. He was the best. He was so good. Somebody ought to do a follow-up interview with that guy, by the way. I don't know if you could find him. Pam Anderson is on the market again. She and her fifth husband, Dan Hayhurst, calling it quits after just one year of marriage. Rolling Stone reporting that the Baywatch actress is filing for divorce in her native Canada where apparently she and Dan have been living since their wedding on Christmas Eve 2020. Not a good idea to get married on holidays like that, usually. No, it's, it's usually not. But, you know, uh, what is what has gone wrong here? I mean, she seems like such a nice girl. And I know, Is she right? just picking the bad ones? I think she's picking the bad ones. And she's got that uh, great tattoo of the barbed wire on her arm there uh, yeah, as well. No, that's I mean, that's uh, that's uh, very tribal. But uh, <laughs> you know, she seems like a perfectly nice woman. She does. She just gets tangled up with the worst sorts of men. Yeah, but again, these are bad choices to get married on holidays. Christmas Eve wedding, twenty twenty. Uh, you. you know, I had an ex-wife who got married on. Um, I think it was New Year's Eve one time. They eloped. Just, oh, she didn't get married to you on no, New Year's Eve. No. One of her many other husbands. I don't think there were many. I think there maybe was the only a other handful. One. Yes. No. Short two. A few. You can't call two a handful. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, two's a handful. <laughs> well, it can be. One can be a handful. By the way, a source telling Rolling Stone about Pam Anderson's failed marriage that the brief relationship was a quote pandemic whirlwind. A pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it just didn't work out. That's too bad. Martha Stewart revealing that a relationship of hers didn't work out one time. 
with Anthony Hopkins. How about that? No kidding. I didn't realize they were ever together, but apparently Martha Stewart revealing that on the Ellen DeGeneres show yesterday that she had broken up with Anthony Hopkins because she couldn't stop thinking of him as Dr. Hannibal Lecter. The character from Silence of the Lambs. Well, like, would, would she like walk into a room and, and there he'd be like yeah. standing there with his arms <laughs> down, just yeah. like looking deep into her soul, At least trying that's, to do a quid pro quo on her? <laughs> that's the way she imagined it with the fava beans and the nice Chianti and the whole deal. Yeah, no kidding. She said she had a creepy house in Maine, you know, similar to a Stephen King yeah, kind of and thing. And a guy like that doesn't make it any less creepy. Exactly right. She couldn't get past that. In fact, you you probably ramp up your creepy quotient. You know, he might have been the most romantic bastard in the world and perfectly suited for Martha Stewart. But just because he played a role, yeah, it no, doesn't it, mean he's that way in real life. You, you shouldn't be typecast yes. in relationships. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. It's true. ABC has canceled Pooch Perfect. God who, damn it. Who, who knew? No, nothing good to watch on TV anymore. Deadline reporting that the network canceled the show after just one season. Pooch Perfect starred Rebel Wilson. Mm-hmm. In a dog grooming competition series, apparently not enough viewers for that. Not any. It seems pretty niche to me, by the way. Like, yeah, but people love their dogs and like their dogs looking cute and smelling good. Mm-hmm. It happens so rarely. The Batman's runtime is expected to approach the three-hour mark for the movie. A source telling Variety that the forthcoming film will be two hours and 47 minutes and that doesn't count the credits, which you know will be voluminous. It will be the longest Batman movie, edging out the Dark Knight by two minutes. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that gets all bugged out about that. If someone says it's going to be a three-hour-long film, I'll watch a three-hour-long football game. I'll watch a three-hour-long right. baseball game. When I was uh, sick at home with COVID, I watched the director's cuts of all three Lord of the Rings movies, and they're all four and a half hours long. How about a three-hour tour? How do you feel about that? It depends. Who's aboard? <laughs> it it depends whether or not uh, you know Ginger or Marianne mm-hmm. is available. That's true. And if I have to go down the road to uh, to Mrs. Howell, I'll do it. She's the one with the money. I was a Marianne guy myself. You between the two or three, if you want to include Mrs. Yeah, Howell. I, I, not for nothing. I have made this statement before. I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. If you look at old pictures of Natalie Schaefer, who played Lovey. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 she was gorgeous mm-hmm. back in her, her youth. Okay, Go- probably prettier than the other two. Hmm. I mean, but you got to go way back. I mean, this is back when you know they were still you know, holding up that <laughs> that big flash bulb on a stick. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you're stranded on a desert island, money means nothing. You know, they had the wealth, but they weren't able to use it. Yeah, but you got to keep hope alive that you'll be rescued. Hey, and get, then, then you'll be able to enjoy those millions. Hey, get this lineup of performers. The Who, Stevie Nicks, Elvis Costello, Black Crows, Foo Fighters, Willie Nelson and Lionel Richie all will headline this spring's New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And that sounds like a good time to me. That's I'd cool. head down there for that, right? Sure, that's cool. Get your tickets now. Yeah, I know. You got to mention about uh, but Meatloaf? Yeah, it's very sad. I was... 
I was kind of blocking that out because I, I read that too. The first thing I opened up my computer this morning, I said, "Oh my God, Meatloaf passed away." Usually, I'm the, the first to get to an announcement. I usually get the all the notifications of when somebody dies, but Meatloaf uh, dies at the age of 74. Marvin Lee Ade, I think, is his real name, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. Sad day in rock history. It that- is. That's your Hollywood trash. From your backyard to the slopes and everywhere in between. Enjoy a sweet and salty bar wherever you are. For every adventure, there's Nature Valley. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Blow with the King of Snow. Get an errands at Rocky's. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Hey, this week in sports, we've had a number of athletes and coaches being forced to pay fines for their sketchy behavior. Yesterday, I told you that head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, was fined $50,000 for slapping some sense into one of his players with a quick whack to the head. Dak Prescott of the Cowboys fined $25,000 for making disparaging remarks about officials during their 23-17 point loss to the 49ers. Well, now Kyrie Irving of the NBA's Brooklyn Nets is the next professional athlete to get slapped with a $25,000 fine for, of all things, being philosophically unprepared. Yes, Kyrie Irving, who also played with the Celtics for two insufferable seasons, has just been fined $25,000 for allegedly making offensive comments to a ticket-paying fan during the second quarter of Monday night's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which, of course, was the other team that Kyrie played for and overstayed his welcome. According to the reports, a fan was heard asking Kyrie Irving whether or not he still needed LeBron James to win a championship. Now, in my mind, that is a perfectly reasonable question. It introduces a well-prepared argument into a potential debate situation. Kyrie has not won an NBA championship since LeBron James was named the Finals MVP for Cleveland in 2016 over the Golden State Warriors in a thrilling seven-game series. But rather than offer a reasonable argument against the proposed query, Kyrie responded with the intellectual intellectual lazy retort, quote, got y'all a championship and you mother-friendly individuals still ungrateful. Now I should point out, Kyrie did not, in fact, say mother-friendly individuals. Instead, he projected a different tone, which suggested that someone's mother was subjected to a series of untoward experiences that could portend a negative effect upon her reputation or station in life. It might not have been the most effective counterpoint in this argumentative exchange, and yet that's the one he went with. And as a result, Kyrie has been charged with a $25,000 fine, which to me says... If you are confronted with an intellectual premise during a logical argument or debate, then it is up to you to prepare yourself with a well-reasoned defense of your position. Jumping all over some dude's mother is not only deflective, it can become costly as well. And that's no way to win an argument. But hey, in a my yappin' sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Ever been to Brilliant, Wisconsin? I have. Let me save you a trip. It snows there a lot. Brilliant is where they make Aaron Snowblowers, the king of snow. Ever been to Rocky's Ace Hardware? Of course you have. That's where they sell the king of snow. Get your Aaron Snowblower today at your neighborhood Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Fields Classic Rock at 613 and Journey on Rock 102. Hey, you're going to have lots of sun this weekend, but it's going to be cold. Highs in the low 20s today, mid to high 20s tomorrow, and low 30s on Sunday. All right, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, we told you that Meatloaf died uh, this week at the age of 74. That uh, that news came out uh, overnight. But 
Uh, we don't have a meatloaf interview to play back for you, and I know how you people love the uh, the best of Baxter and O'Brien bits. I'm not going to do that. What I am doing is I've uh, I've put on Facebook, not reposting it, I put on Facebook my interview uh, with Ellen Foley. Oh, Ellen, yeah, yeah. Ellen Foley is the one that sang with Meatloaf on Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And she was also in Night Court, too. She, she was in Night Court and uh, sang on a, on a on a bunch of Clash records. Yeah. Actually a pretty cool interview, and that's available on the Bax and O'Brien page, my page, on the Baxi's Musical Fun Bag uh, Facebook page. So, so, you, so you can uh, you can check that out. It's actually a really cool interview and a really neat lady. She seems like a really cool lady. And, and do, do, do you talk about Meatloaf during this interview a little yeah. bit with her? No, yeah, we, we talk about her meeting Meatloaf nice. and the experience of, uh, of of being there and then suddenly being uh, booted off the tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, So because wow. she, uh, she was replaced by uh, Carla Bonoff, I believe, or okay. Carla DeVito or okay. something like that. I don't even know. But nevertheless... Uh, yeah, it's a cool interview, and we do talk about meatloaf in that interview. So, uh, so check that out. Nice. So last night, uh, my dad calls me, mm-hmm. and uh, as he uh, as he does often, and uh, said that he's been listening to the show. he listens to the podcast every day, every single day, and uh, said he's listened to us uh, on our show yesterday. Said it was a you know that he really enjoyed it. Oh. But then he asked me this question, and it's like you know I didn't even know how to answer it because. <laughs> As you know, as a kid, there's certain things your parents are, you know, obligated to know, and then certain things you just see, they're probably better off not knowing about. Right. He asks me, he said, okay, full disclosure, how much drinking did you really do in college? He said, you know, it's like, uh, you know, just, I hear you talking about it a lot. How much were you really drinking? And I'm like, oh my God, how do you tell your father? what you did between the ages of 18 to, well, in my case, 24 years old. I well, mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, do you, do you tell him? Do you get honest? Hey, why not? I mean, at least he's not asking about the other stuff. I mean, you just keep it to the drinking and you're probably fine. Like a, you know, a, a sort of a sigh of relief that he's not asking you about other activities. Well, I mean, done. as a 55 year old man, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's all past history. And I, you know, and, you know those days of binge drinking and and uh, and then you know doing it again the following morning. I mean those days are those days are long gone. Me I, too. I couldn't. Uh, I don't have that kind of recovery these days. Yeah. I pay for something like that. Uh, part of college though, part of the experience, right? We, yeah. We all did it. Yeah. Well, most of us anyway. You did it. Oh, of course. No. Yes. Of okay. Course. All right. Oh, of course. You, My God. Because you know, in the time that we've gotten to excuse me, in the time that we've gotten to know each other over the last twelve months. Mm- I can say, oh yeah, no, I can, I can see that sort of activity. Oh yeah, in Dave Coombs from his youth. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I've slowed to a snail's pace right now, but yes, in college, absolutely. Yeah, right. sure. Yeah, so uh, I, I didn't even know how to answer it, so I, I was stumbling and fumbling for a, for an answer, trying to come up with a, like a, like a, like a, like a cute answer, mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily the right answer because he did pay for me to go there, <laughs> right? And, and in a very real and significant way you could make the case that that money may have been wasted Mm -hmm. almost as wasted as i was in college for five and a half years well i love the stories about the uh, giving blood by the way in order to get cash that you can then turn around to pay for more booze i I think that that was the conversation starter he said like did you really give do you really donate your plasma for for beer money i said well yes (laughs) we should be proud of you for that by the way it's very enterprising of you yeah and and someone's life could have been saved by that action so really in a very humanitarian way then uh yes that that did in fact happen Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I I didn't really feel like it was 
my business to make him feel like, uh, you know, the thousands of dollars he spent over the course of those five and a half years were wasted. I just felt like, you know, for his... Just show some respect to my dad and say, listen, uh, I appreciate your many sacrifices, but it would have been bad if there were like cell phones or security cameras sure. back in the 80s yeah. for you to, uh, to, to to scale back and, and watch my activities. Now, does he listen right here in this area or where, where's he located? Where's your dad located? My dad lives in Attleboro, so oh. it's the you know, eastern part of the state. All right, so he gets it uh, online then. He listens online. Yes. Very enterprising of him there. Does he have... My folks, I don't know if I told you the story. I got them a Sonos Move, which is one of those, you know... Yeah, yeah. Digital butler kind of things there, and they love it now. They listen in Vero Beach all the time in Florida. See, now my, my dad, is, and I've, told, uh, I've mentioned this before, my dad is, uh, is, is blind. Mm-hmm. So he has his, his iPhone on, on voice-activated uh, things all over the nice. place. Nice. So he can say, play the Baxton O'Brien podcast. Mm-hmm. It'll play the Baxton O'Brien podcast. All right. He'll say, go to the part where my, my son talks about drinking too much in college. And it goes right to that part where I'm drinking too much in college. Nice. And, uh, you know, all kinds of voice activation. Now, does he listen uh, live as well or just to the podcast? Just, after the sh- just to the podcast. Right. He's, re- he's long retired now. He's not waking up at 6, 18 in the morning for this. Well, some some folks that are older can't help but wake up early in no, the morning. No, I, I, I get that, but uh, I think he's uh, more likely to sleep in and then listen after 10 o'clock when yeah. the show is posted. It's funny because my folks normally sleep in, although now that they have the Sonos move, they're in the habit of starting to listen live. There and, you go. And I did give them the address not just for Laser, where I spend a lot of the mornings, but also for this show. So they've been listening to this show, and they love this show as well, just like your dad, which is nice that our parents are behind our activities. Here. Uh, have you noticed that as we're having this conversation? Mm-hmm that I have not really revealed exactly how much I was drinking in college. Right. Because, you know, we're just focused on, you know, how uh, the uh, technology has kept some of that information yeah. in and out of the hands of your parents. So that's, uh, you know, be that as it may, I, I there were times like any uh, young youth where you just happened to be a little overserved. Now, mm-hmm. I did make the case uh, that, uh, you know, I said, you know, Dad, I didn't have a lot of money in college. So, you know, I had to, uh, you know, find ways of, of making money mm-hmm. and, uh, also spending it judiciously. I mean, right. I had some money that, you know, I had accumulated, you know, working, you know, during the summertime between like, you know, freshman and sophomore year and, mm-hmm. and, I, and, uh, and, and, and all that, but, you know, I could really only spend like $15 in a night, 20, if I was really saving my pennies. Mm-hmm. The, thankfully, uh, there were bars that were selling, uh, like, nickel taps and sure you know shots for a dollar i mean you know those uh, those are the kinds of things that teach you uh, all kinds of uh, very important skills like you know budget management sure. uh you know certain self budgeting uh, some economics you know you learn all those things so while you could say were you drinking too much in college no no i was learning about economic responsibility well, and not- i think that might be the important takeaway from the entire conversation well not just that you're solidifying friendships that have lasted a lifetime i'm sure True. oh right? absolutely still in contact with a lot of those people mm-hmm. to this very day so you're right in a way we've learned uh social graces mm-hmm. uh, economic responsibility sure um and that's pretty much it 
I streaked down to the Rascaler at Wesleyan uh, as a freshman. I drank so much one time with my fraternity buddies. We yeah. all decided after drinking a lot, hey, why don't we get naked and walk down to the Rathskeller? Yeah. Which we did. Nothing wrong with that. Valuable experience once we, again. We had a bar called the uh, the Avalanche, mm-hmm. and the Avalanche is a big thing with two things. One was when you finished your cheap bottle of red, white, and blue beer, which is about the worst beer you can have. Never even heard of that one. Yeah, it's it's it was like a regional type of beer that really is awful. Like a Wisconsin special, right? I'm not even sure it's Wisconsin, but it's, it's certainly uh, Midwest. But gotcha. when you finished your bottle, mm-hmm. you didn't throw it away in a recycling bin. What you did was you smashed the bottle on the floor. Attaboy. That's what would happen. So by the end of the night, mm-hmm. it would be covered in brown shattered glass. Mm-hmm. But then also the other tradition was something known as the naked beer slide. Now, if you yes. can imagine. You've, so, you've told me about this yes. in that one bar. Yeah. In, in this one bar. Now, yep. as you can imagine, with all that broken glass, yes. uh, you know, you are likely to get all cut and, uh, and injured in, in a way. But that did not necessarily detract the idea of getting naked sliding across the bar mm-hmm. and then just picking you know shards of glass out of your chest. You may still have some of that in your body. Who knows? Yes, and I knew some people uh, who did it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Farley did it a lot. Uh, an awful lot, in fact. That was like uh, that was his place for a while. Sure. Uh girls would do it. Uh I'm not sure if any of the Catholic priests that taught at Marquette would have done it, but uh you know, I I may have uh, done it myself. I can't be sure. Right? Cuz I was drunk. Yeah. Well, uh, on my father's money. Uh, hopefully, your dad will be listening to this podcast a yes. little bit later on and I'm getting sh- the, the the full truth because you obviously didn't you didn't fess up when you talked to him on the phone. I, I didn't get into specific right. stories. I said, "Okay, uh, Dad, why don't you sit down and, and relax while I spin you a yarn?" Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel that was uh, my uh, my place. Just deflected. But I thought, you know, if I talk about it on the air, well, then it becomes my place. To well, do it. So there you go. I got you. Well, you know, it's nice overall that our parents are listening to our shows here on the radio. Uh, what I get from my folks, by the way, who listen in is I get tips now. I get tips on, on material. And my mom sends me articles from the Vero Beach, Beachcomber Times or whatever the hell it is. Right. And it's like, thanks, mom. It's probably something I did like a week ago on the air. But she's, you know, she, she well, feels like, like she can be a contributor to the show. Well, see, that's, nice. that's kind of nice, yes. isn't it? I mean, it's not like she's having the having you, you know, stop by after the show to do an air check or something. Nope. Which for you younger people that don't understand it, that's when you go to uh, radio station management and they spend a good 45 minutes humiliating you. I did that daily with a program director, oh, by the way, back in the early days of radio. Taught me absolutely like nothing. nothing. That guy was trying to steal my job when it came right down to it. And he did. After a few months, he fired me. And he took my job for about three months, and then he was fired. Oh, that's uh, that's what comes around, goes around. Mm-hmm. It's six twenty-four. America runs on Duncan. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's uh, six twenty-seven with Bax and Dave Coombs on Rock One Hundred Two. A little chilly right now, and not going to get a lot warmer today. Highs in the low twenties is all we got. Mid to high twenties tomorrow. Low thirties on Sunday. Lots of sun all weekend long. All right, so uh, again, all week I have been uh, soliciting jokes from actual qualified listeners to this very show, and uh, what I've gotten is a list of jokes. Some are are, uh, are repeatable, others uh, I wouldn't even dream of repeating them, but uh, <laughs> I have picked one out this morning from, uh, from a guy, and uh, hopefully it'll be funny. If it's not, it's his fault, it's not mine, 
I'm just the messenger. Well, we've been identifying these guys all week. Are we going to identify yeah, no, this guy I, I, as well? I, I will identify all this right. guy because uh, I, I think I think it deserves it. It's another joke that got a, a pretty decent uh, amount of response from mm-hmm, people. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. All right. All right. So let's laugh. Tell me. Tell me what's funny. It's Bax and O'Brien's joke of the day. Well, it's nice to find a fellow with a keen sense of humor. On Rock 102. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Springfield's classic rock. All right. This uh, this joke comes from uh, Don. His name is Don. Okay. His last name is Clark. And here is the joke. You ready for this? Yes. All right. A woman tells her friend, hey, every time I sneeze, I have an orgasm. And her friend says, really? What are you, what are you taking for it? And the woman says, pepper. <laughs> yes, it's because that gives her orgasm. She'd like to have more of them. See, I that's get a, it. That's why that's funny, yes. because pepper makes you sneeze. I you understand see, now. Thank you for explaining. Every time. <laughs> Bax and O'Brien on Rock 102. Springfield's Classic Rock. How's it going with that new year, new you thing? Are you at least getting quality sleep? I know. It's 6.32 with Bax and Dave Coombs uh, from Laser 99.3 and Rock 102. It's time for news brought to you by the Chiropractic Center of Ludlow, your go-to place for DOT DOT physical exams and DOT random drug testing. Learn more at thecdldoc.com. Filling in for Steve Nagel this week is Dave Coombs. Well, we've got more COVID stats for you, as if you needed some more. But what the hell? Just over half of the nearly 3,200 people in Massachusetts hospitals who test positive for COVID-19 are primarily there because of the virus. That's just over half. About 49% are being treated at these hospitals for other reasons, which suggests that COVID itself is not the sole culprit for some of our health problems. No, but uh, it certainly exacerbates some of them. Yes, for sure. Meantime, as expected, an official announcement came yesterday after a seven-year, quote, lesson in serving a state she described as a, quote, prideful melting pot. Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey officially declared her candidacy for governor yesterday. Now, we talked about this on the show. Right. She's saying... She's prepared to lead from the governor's seat now at a, quote, moment of urgency for our country and our commonwealth, unquote. Now, uh, didn't she run for governor before? I do not know. I'm trying to think that she, uh, that perhaps she did. Well, she doesn't have Charlie Baker to worry about this time around. He's out. And the rest of the candidates were littered with, like, uh, I don't know, teachers and college and educators and things like that so yeah and you know i no no offense to for nothing but uh yeah i have to tell you uh yeah if the only thing you've got in your resume is that you teach at mit that's not going to be good enough for me i kind of want you to have a little bit something more a little bit well doesn't it depend on what you teach i mean i don't know no 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 not if for me to get my vote, I'm going to need to see more than just, uh, you know, your your teaching schedule. All right. No, she did not run for uh, for governor. I was uh, my mistake. She uh, she took over for Martha Coakley when she ran for governor. Oh, okay. So there you go. Or, or that's when she announced 
uh, that she was going to run for attorney general in 2013. Okay. There you go. So there, there, that, that works out uh, mathematically because she did talk about her seven-year lesson as the attorney general in state politics. Well, that's a tough job. Yeah, I would say that's a, that, that's a qualifying position. Sure. We wish her luck. Being an MIT professor, uh, not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, we know who you're voting for, I guess. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. I'm not. Uh, it, it's not an endorsement. I'm just saying that. <laughs> you know, there are certain. There's just certain things about certain candidates that, to me, excludes them entirely. All right. So we, we you're not casting your vote for Maura Healy. You're just saying I, that you against, won't be voting against the MIT professor. I, I'm voting against a- MIT. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Homeowners and business owners in Westfield. Homeowners is what. Homeowners, home owners, home owners, and business owners in Westfield are opposed to plans for a new Duncan and a retail building that's going to go up at Southampton Road. The new Duncan will be a replacement for the old Duncan, the one currently at 430 Southampton Road. Okay. Opponents are worried, though, about... Too much traffic in that neighborhood, and the location for the new Duncan will cause all sorts of traffic snarls, according to the people who are opposed to this plan. All right, but I have to tell you, uh, there are there are times when I'm driving around, and the only thing I want to get to is a Duncan. Mm-hmm. So if it means i got to be ensnarled in a little bit of traffic to get myself some uh, omelet bites and a delicious... Uh, Dunkin' Latte, I will do it. Well, plus, I found I will put up with it. I found that the people that work at Dunkin' pretty good about their jobs, pretty efficient, especially at the drive throughs. You know, it's only coffee for crying out loud. And if you're getting a snack along with it, it's just a quick microwave heat job for whatever it is you're going to have. Oh, no, no. Those things, their food is lovingly made by hand. Well, if that's the way you want to look at it, okay. In optimal conditions. Look, I I know that it's microwavable food. I don't care. And I actually love the new little bagel bites that they have. Have you tried those? I have not tried the bagel bites. Oh, two different flavors. They come in uh, egg white veggie and then uh, double cheese, I think it is. And they're both really good. They look like little mini bagels and it's all eggs there's no bread or anything in there it's great i, I know that there's, there's some people in westfield that are already uh, steamed because the traffic in westfield can be pretty awful mm-hmm. to begin with you know when they when they rebuilt uh you know the downtown uh, bridge you know uh, yeah i mean uh, let's face it going through downtown westfield ain't all that much fun with all the traffic mm-hmm. but you know what they, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's uh, it's got uh, pink and orange colors. That's right. And that's it. Yeah. That if I'm ensnarled in traffic, the only thing that's going to calm me down is a coffee. That's it. Coffee is my Xanax. All right. Well, then you won't have a problem with the traffic there. I but would. I will, I'll crawl there if I have to. All right. Some of the neighbors are all up in arms there. Now, there's another disagreement going on in Southwick, where members of Southwick's Lake Management Committee saying Wednesday evening that Congerman Lake has a boating density problem that will limit the number of new docks and structures that could be built on the lake. The committee was discussing the possibility of Krabby Joe's constructing a marina on its lakeside property, which would have room for about 80 boats. The majority of the committee opposing to allowing the new construction because you think Joe is crabby now. Just yeah. let you take away his docks. Right, the lake is already over capacity. They say for the number of boats and eighty 
more spots would just add to the problem. So we got bad traffic problems in Westfield. We got overboating in Southwick. You know, um, I don't know if you've been on uh, Lake Congamon uh, yet, but uh, I will tell you, it's it's not a huge lake. I mean, it's a good sized lake, but it's it's not enormous. Adding extra like eighty extra boats is a lot of boats. Mm. I, I don't care, you know what what you say, and no. No, uh, no criticism of uh, Krabby Joe. I'm sure Krabby Joe runs himself a tied-up business. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of boats. That's a lot of boats. All right, I'll take your word for it. What I'm trying to tell you is, Dave, it's a lot of boats. Okay, I got it. So again, I guess we know where you fall on this issue. You're against Krabby Joe's. I no, get no, it. No, 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 no. I'm not against Krabby Joe's. Right. Krabby Joe's can do what he wants, but 80 boats mm-hmm. is well, a lot of boats. Well, maybe they can compromise and make it 40 extra boat slots. I mean, I don't even, I mean, like the Oxbow mm-hmm. probably has 80, but maybe more. I don't know. But that's a, But if you added an extra 80 boats off the Oxbow, you'd have people at the Oxbow saying, hey, you know what? 80 boats is a lot of boats. All right. Or maybe they could just, I don't know, somehow make it so that we the size of the boats would be constrained, so that you couldn't have enormous yachts out there. Oh, I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to find <laughs> enormous yachts at uh, at Lake Congamon. Or maybe you know slower speed limits out there, so that there aren't any boating mishaps or injuries. Well, that's, that's the price you pay okay. when so, you have too many boats. So yesterday, Bax, we talked about the new mandate in Boston for wearing masks indoors and showing proof of vaccination. We talked about that incident at the Regina Pizzeria in the North End where a maskless customer punched the manager in the face. Well, we've got another problem to talk about today. Police responding to an altercation at a Dunkin' at 8 Harvard Street in Brookline after a man allegedly threw hot coffee at a fellow customer for not wearing a mask inside the store. Now, my buddy my buddy Rich, the college friend that I have, he lives right there in that neighborhood. Now, I got yeah. him. Was looking, I had to really look carefully at the names in this story to make sure he wasn't one of the particulars here. He wasn't the one who threw the coffee or he, the one who received the thrown coffee. He, knowing Rich, he could have been either one in really? this case. Yeah. You know, to me that is a horrible waste of perfectly delicious coffee. Right? Well, you can blame 23-year-old Dion Millsap of Dorchester for that. He had allegedly been standing in front of the victim, the guy not wearing the mask, 56-year-old Matteo Salito of Brockton. So they're in line at the Duncan when Millsap, the younger guy with the mask, noticed the older guy, Salito, was not wearing a mask covering. And according to court documents, Millsap, the younger guy, made a derogatory remark to Salito, okay. the older maskless guy, who then used his shirt to cover up his face in order to de-escalate the situation. All right, I'll, All right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll cover up my nose and my mouth with my shirt. Well, Melsap didn't buy that particular move, and he became belligerent, and that's when the, all the stuff happened. Where well, he threw what? the coffee, and then he was apprehended. Police had to come. Right. So what made him the mask police? Yeah, you know, he's not. Wouldn't that be the job of the Duncan manager? Yes, to uh, to intervene in a situation like this. Well, and you're throwing coffee. Mm-hmm. That's hot. And uh, as you said, valuable Duncan coffee as well. Yeah, I mean, telling you what, I mean, not that it's 
not that it's a, a high price point, but I'm not, you know, if I go to Dunkin', mm-hmm. that coffee is going inside of me. It's not going out towards anybody. I don't, I don't play that way. When it comes to coffee, I'm very serious about it. Right. Well, Dion Millsaps, shall we say, his um, his mental makeup is being evaluated. Really? Yeah. But well, you'd have to be crazy to throw a coffee like that. Exactly right. I mean, is it, was it a large coffee? Because that's a little bit more expensive than your medium or where you're small. Doesn't say, but you know, at least you didn't have the problem that you would have at Starbucks in determining whether it's a Vente or a whatever the hell yeah, else they too, call con- them. It's there. too confusing. Right. Got another cop story for you here, and you can file this one in the Cops with a Sense of Humor department. Do they have that department? Yeah. After a snowstorm froze over the eastern portion of the United States recently, South Carolina police released body cam footage of the culprit. Elsa from Disney's Frozen franchise was arrested in South Carolina. No kidding. Yes. Rare video footage showing Elsa enjoying the freshly fallen snow, and then police running away. Police eventually catch up with Elsa, despite her telling them, let it go. Don't these cops have crimes to fight? Shouldn't they be focused on that? Maybe not in South Carolina, so they're just Hmm. taking the time to, you know, uh, do do a little public service there. Interesting. That's that's uh, that's not a waste of uh, of city time at all. No, I I give them credit for that. Cops with senses of humor. I'm all right with it as long as there aren't other I, I crimes that are going unheeded. I don't know if cops with the sense of humor department is really where I'd go with this. I would say the cops with a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the department I would I would bring that to. All right, well, at least they're not hanging out at Duncan. No, but they should have been the products they, there. But they should have been there to to, to <laughs> maybe escalate the situation with a guy throwing coffee all over the place in Brookline. Well, that's out of their jurisdiction. They're from South Carolina. Meantime, another cop story from Richmond Hill, which is a suburb in Toronto, Canada. York Regional Police there are busy working on an alleged theft that happened there at a music store in which a person stole an eight thousand dollar guitar by. Shoving it down his pants. Now, That's inconspicuous. And how big are those pants that you can shove an entire guitar down there and walk out and get away with it? Because he's still at large. So did it go neck down? Or extra large, as we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was it, uh, was it like loose sweatpants, I, perhaps? Yeah, I, maybe. Still. I mean... Plus, they've been one hell of a guitar. It's right. It's going to create some bulges that you would think would be conspicuous. You should have seen the guy stealing that drum set about a week and a half ago. <laughs> well, hopefully they catch the guy. I hope so. $6,000 for a guitar. I mean, that's... Uh, $8,000. 8000 8000 That's pricey. Yeah. I guess the only way to get... Uh, I mean, it's I, 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 I don't know how you even walk out. I mean, you, 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 it's, it, it can't be easy to walk with a guitar in your pants. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? They've got video footage, apparently, right. but they still don't have the guy or the guitar. So <laughs> they're looking for leads on that. Lead uh, guitar? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Melissa May from Verona, Ohio, has gone viral. She posted recently on a Facebook page a photo of she and her husband, Sean, Walking a rooster on a leash. She said the the bird is named Carl Francis. 
and is very friendly. She went on to explain that someone randomly left the bird at their house about five months ago and that they took the bird in, trained it. Really? Now take it for walks on a leash. And they also say that the bird, known as Carl Francis, quote, likes to be held. Well, that's a nice story. Uh huh. I actually heard the story. Did you? Uh, yeah, a while ago, because as you know, everybody's heard about the bird. How well, everybody's heard about the bird. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> no, I was waiting for the the big finish there. No, you know, that's two minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty much the same thing the whole way through. Highs in the low 20s today, mid to high 20s tomorrow, low 30s on Sunday. Lots of sun all weekend long. I'm Dave Coombs filling in for Steve Nagel, and that's news to me on Rock 102. How many... And now, Bax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Blow with the king of snow. Get an errands at Rocky's. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Folks, I hope that the day comes that I ever get fired from this place, that a giant financial arbitration settlement gets thrown my way to alleviate my financial pain and suffering. Of course, I probably won't able to justify such a financial windfall, but that's why you have to maintain a positive attitude. Why just look at former UConn men's basketball coach Kevin Ollie. I'm sure when he was fired back in 2018 for presiding over a giant stack of NCAA violations, that he probably wasn't thinking about how he was going to spend that $11 million payment he'd get in arbitration. And yet here we are just a few years later, and suddenly drinks are on Kevin. Yesterday, an arbitrator ruled that Kevin Ollie was fired improperly by the university amidst the groundswell of curious chicanery, the results of which led to a loss of scholarships and a two-year probation. Among the violations, including organizing improper practices, distributing improper payments, lodging and other benefits to his players, and overseeing other impermissible coaching from his staff. The arbitrator ruled that despite the violations, the university fired Kevin Ali before the NCAA had officially closed their investigation and the nature of the violations did not justify his termination. And so, the arbitrator has ruled that UConn must now submit a payment of $11 million to Kevin Ali. So where is the University of Connecticut going to come up with a quick $11 million? Well, let's see. If you have 24,000 undergraduate students and the cost of attending UConn is somewhere between thirty-four dollars to $56,000 a year, depending on your in-state residency, then I believe the best way to cover the check is to pass the difference over to their students and families. After all, $11 million divided by 24000 is only $458 per student. And if you can afford to pay $56,000 to send your fully compliant student to UConn, then I'm sure you can certainly afford to pay $56,458 instead, because that's the way college solves their problems. Sure, Kevin Ollie may have been fired improperly, but not so badly that it can't be resolved by jacking up the price to send your kids there, because that's what state education is really all about. But hey, it of my yappin' sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Well, there's no more room on the kitchen counter. The couch is covered in crap. You need to declutter. Go to Rocky's and get shelves and storage totes. All this stuff isn't going to organize itself. It's up to you to do it. It all starts with a stop at Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock at 710. And Ozzy at Rock 102. With an egg at the end of that tune, by the way. An egg. Is that, that what he, or not? Is that what he says? Yes, yeah, an egg. I, 
and, never knew what he was saying. And apparently uh, that's not Ozzy, but a uh, sound engineer. And they were asking what he had for breakfast. An egg? What he had for breakfast. I and did not know I, that. I guess they kept it in there. Man, the more you know. Yeah. Uh, as you know, uh, next week, Tuesday, I think it is, is the day that uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame announces who's going in. And uh, this is one of those years where everybody who is qualified mm-hmm. uh, to be in the Hall of Fame are all steroid <laughs> players, all players that were, you know, uh, you know, implicated in uh, in these files that uh, that emerged, and and uh, you know, David Ortiz's name was on that, although nothing was ever really proven. I think he was just fat, David Ortiz. A good, great hitter, and I, I'm not sure about the oh, steroids with him. I don't know if he was fat. I, I think he was all <laughs> barrel-chested muscle. Okay, all right, if yeah, you yeah. insist. Well, then, some of these guys, like Bonds and Clemens, who may or may not have used steroids, it's, they're coming down to their last swing at the bat at this, I think, right? Yeah, I think it's like their last year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is they can only get voted in if the uh, the Veterans Committee does it mm-hmm. so that's why you sometimes see a guy who right. you know may not have had his who may have missed out on his chance but may get in many years later when right. he's like 80 90 years old yeah and he shuffles up and does a speech and then that's it i i don't i don't think ortiz has the same bad reputation attached to his name that some of these other guys do i mean yes maybe he dabbled maybe he had stories i don't sense that he's as problematic for voters as some of these other guys we mentioned. Well, the thing is with the with a Bar- with a Barry Bonds. Yes, everyone who's ever met Barry Bonds or had anything to do with Barry Bonds all kind of says the same thing about Barry Bonds, mm-hmm. and that Barry Bonds is kind of a jerk. Well, right. Even aside from the steroid stuff, right. And you hear kind of the same thing about Roger Clemens from yep. time to time. You know, maybe he's a little bit of a jerk, and maybe. Like uh, like Kurt Schilling, the fact that he's definitely a jerk mm-hmm. uh, might prevent him from ever getting into the, the Hall of Fame, too, right. even if his numbers support it and people can make arguments all day sure. about that. But with Big Poppy, I, you know, shy of Carly Yastrzemski, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a single Red Sox player in all of history that is more beloved than Big Poppy. To my point, I don't think, even if he did the steroids, I think people love him where they don't love those other characters you just mentioned. There's a, this, I don't know if you saw this story, Dan Shaughnessy, who writes for uh, the uh, the Boston Globe, mm-hmm. uh, apparently uh, wrote that he did not vote for Big Poppy, that mm-hmm. he only voted for one guy. Wow. And I think it was Jeff Kemp was the only player that he voted for. Wow. And uh, so, Jeff but, Kent, right? Yeah, Jeff, I, Jeff or Kent. Kemp, Kent or Kent, Kent, Kent Jeff Kent. There and was it, a there was a Steve Kemp who was an outfielder, I think, years ago for the Tigers. But I think it's Jeff Kent. Maybe the, that's the, what it is. The Giants play. Maybe that's my mistake because I had an old baseball card with Kemp. There Maybe that's it. Anyway, my point is this: Dan Shaughnessy writes that uh, you know he's not voting for Big Poppy because of of the, uh, the steroid allegations right. that uh, that dogged him for a brief period of time. But again, nothing ever proven. His name was on a list, but so were the names of like 300 other players, and uh, and, and that's it. Well, Shaughnessy has a, an important platform from right. his position on the Boston Globe. So Big Poppy goes on a, on a radio show last Wednesday, mm-hmm. and they ask him about it. And uh, what uh, Big Poppy says is, he said, well, <clears throat> it's like this. Dan Shaughnessy is an a-hole and uh, did he actually call him that he actually did but he actually went and said the entire thing nice because you know it's 
Big Poppy doesn't really care about the uh, the rules of language. <laughs> well, he proved that in that speech. Yeah, right. After nine, this is, this is uh, after, RF and City after yeah. the Boston Marathon. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I'm voting, if I'm voting, it, like you know, we've talked to Ron Chamellis, who writes for the Republican in, in years past, and he's one of the guys that, that votes. Mm-hmm. If I'm a voter, and based upon the the era that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and the players that are coming up into eligibility, right? To me, you have to make it a, a a level playing field. You can't exclude everybody, I don't think, because everyone's kind. At the time, most of the star players were taking something, right? And there wasn't a lot of testing, and there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, punishment at the time for a lot of these players. And the only thing they really had was was public scrutiny. And then years later, they decided, well, you know, then we'll suspend somebody. Like Manny Ramirez is never going to go in even if his numbers support it. Right. But yet a David Ortiz, same kind of implications, not as severe. Do you exclude him? I don't, I don't think you can. Well, I think you've gotten to the point, Bax, where you've got to have separate categories, just like we're going to need at the Olympics soon with a transgender division. Right. That's coming down. It's going to happen. I mean, there's no way to avoid that, I don't think. So I think you're going to have to apply that same thinking to the voting for the Baseball Hall of Fame. You're going to need, say, um, a gambler's division to include Pete Rose. There you uh, go. A sex abuse division for all of the guys who have committed <laughs> horrible crimes against humanity. Well, uh, maybe, sti- just, maybe uh, just a criminal division would be would well, be enough. maybe. A steroids division, a liar's division. But then you do get into the problem, to your point, that some of these guys would be in all of those divisions. Guys like A-Rod and Rafael Palmero and Roger Clemens and Barry right. Bonds. But at some point, you maybe will have to open up separate wings of the Baseball Hall of Fame with different criteria to allow some of these other guys to get in. Well, I mean, the, the funny part about it is you, you have players that have been in for years mm-hmm. whose background is sure. every bit as egregious as sure. anybody else that's gone, that may be going in. Ty Cobb, one of the biggest bastards in baseball history. He killed a guy. Mm-hmm. He brained him. And yet he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah, not that it's not that it's the, the the most important thing in the world. I mean, I'm I'm kind of done with the argument up about Pete Rose, right? Because it's like, okay, he's either going to get in or he's not. Chances are, it ain't ever going to happen. Even though it's you know kind of a sham because yeah. his numbers do support him going in. Yes, and again, if Ty Cobb can be in, then Pete Rose can probably be in as but, well. You know, what do you vote on to send somebody to the the Baseball Hall of Fame? There's a lot of guys who are in. Who were you know good players, but I don't think they transcended the game the way like a like a big poppy did. Well, you don't have to transcend the game to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I don't think there's a character clause in the voting process like there is for say the Heisman Trophy, which talks about being not only the best player on the field for his team, but also an exemplary person off the field. I know because I was a Heisman voter for like five or six years. You were, so, yeah. How'd you get that? I was in New York State. And the way they do it is regionally. Tenth caller. Kind of. And <laughs> they 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 look to try and balance out the voting in the regions of the country. And they were one shy in the New York Atlantic region. And they also like to balance it among newspaper writers, television or radio personalities, things like that. And they right. didn't have a TV or radio personality representing that New York Atlantic region. And the one guy who was in charge of that region yeah. wrote for the Syracuse newspapers. And he recommended me. No and I, kidding. And I got the job. So I was a Heisman voter 
representing the New York region for, oh, about, for about five or six years. So who'd you vote for? Uh, did you actually vote for a winner? I, I, Yeah, every year I think I did. And one of them I was kind of, I was compromised because it was the first year I was voting was Jameis Winston. Oh, boy. Yeah. And there's that clause about character. And you knew that he had done some bad stuff, but it hadn't been proven yet uh, by yeah. the time the votes had to be cast. And so I voted for him. He won the award, and I still feel bad about that to this day. Yeah, but that's but, not, I mean, yeah, no one's pointing fingers at you. No. I mean, if no. you want to vote for a dirtbag uh, for that thing, that's, <laughs> I suppose that's something you got to live with. That's true. But again, to, the point is the Heisman Trophy does have a character clause, whereas the Baseball Hall of Fame does not. So no, I, I don't. Well, I, I think it's 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 different because I mean, there's a number of different awards mm-hmm. that they they give out to college to college athletes. Yeah, a bunch of them. Yes. The, he, the Heisman is the most prestigious, but there's but there are others. The Davy O'Brien Award, the yeah. Outland Award. I think there's one in honor of Ray Guy, the famous punter, if I'm not mistaken. But Hall of Fame enshrinement is something mm-hmm. is something completely unique and different. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that looks at your entire career rather than just one season. But only statistically on the field, Bax, is what I'm saying. Really? Yes and no, because I think there's also people in there who, you know, transcended the game that may not have had, you know, great statistics. But, you know, for whatever, but for whatever reason, they meant enough to the game that it's impossible to not, that, that it's very hard to not vote them in. But you've got to have good enough statistics. It's not like you can have horrible statistics and get in. You've still got to have good numbers to show for your work. And by the way, Joe Namath in the NFL, the Football Hall of Fame, his numbers are horrible. Yeah, but, but yet he's to in. your point, he, he that, you know, he got the Jets that title and he was bigger than life. Well, without him, I mean, because again, you remember, this that was the first time an AFC team beat an NFC team in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I mean, right? that was a huge sure. deal back then. People sure. didn't really look at the AFC as being, you know, all that legit compared mm-hmm. to the to the NFL. Right. So when that happened, you know, you say, well, you know he's a he's an automatic celebrity. He's mm-hmm. a, he's he transcends the game. Sure, but yeah, his numbers over the course of his career not that hot, but he's in. Yep. But you look at a David Ortiz, his numbers not only support him being in there, but he is one of those guys that was so important to his team, right. so important to his region, and is maybe among the most beloved athletes we've had in New England of all time. But the numbers are good enough for David Ortiz anyway. And yeah, but, yes, there's a, but, there's a, but there are a lot of people who yep. say, you know, because of the allegations that were made, there's no, a Dan Shaughnessy, for example, yep. will say there's no way I'm voting for him. Okay, And I just don't, I, I, you know, again, if, if all things are being equal, then that's basically saying that for the next 10, 15 years, I'm not going to vote for a single person. Well, when it when it all transpires next week, like you're talking about, I, I think you're going to find that nobody's going to follow Dan Shaughnessy on this, and and Ortiz is going to get in. That's I, my that's my on. opinion on that. I I I'd vote twice. Yeah, that's how because just I want to ref- I just want to neutralize Dan Shaughnessy. Mm-hmm. Guy's out of his mind. It's crazy. Seven twenty with Bax and Dave Coombs and Rock One Hundred Two. Finding great candidates to hire can be three with Bax and Dave Coombs on Rock 102. Uh, the highs for today, only low 20s. A little bit warmer, mid to high 20s tomorrow. A little bit warmer on Sunday. Highs in the low 30s. Lots of sunshine all weekend long. Uh, don't forget, a little bit later on this hour, we're going to uh, tell you the next code word for code word Alexa. Someone's going to win an Amazon Echo Dot. Uh, we'll tell you all the details about that a little bit later on. Uh, so, uh, Monday we'll have Scott Cohen. Uh, there's a good chance that 
Steve Nagel is back. All right. A very good chance of that. So there'll be some uh, level of normalcy. But thank you very much for filling in uh, this week. I don't think anybody wants to hear me do this alone. My pleasure. My um, pleasure. I'm, in fact, I'm almost positive that no one wants to hear me uh, warble through this uh, solo. Well, this is kind of what my job is over on Laser 99.3 and 98.5 is doing it solo. And so for, for me, this is like a vacation this week because I don't have to run the whole show myself and actually push all the buttons and stuff like that. All I got to do is talk. Yeah, I got to tell you, you don't uh, really seem to have that uh, that control freak thing that uh, happens so often in radio. You really, you think? You, have you run into people like that? No, not really. I mean, I'm just saying that uh, you don't seem to have that personality quirk. Well, believe me, I'd love to have a partner over on Laser 99.3 and 98.5, but uh, it is what it is. That was the job that was offered. Whatever budget exists, exists. Well, and you, need me, you need me to pop over there once yes, in a while? Yes, I think it's only fair that you come over to Laser yeah. and do a week of shows with me sometime. Sure, I can I go over there. I live could, in, in my shoes. I might be able to make uh, great comments, uh, you know, kind of assert myself, but not in a way that threatens or takes over. All right. So I, I don't want to do that. That's well, your show, and that's, uh, you know, I don't want to step on no toes. Well, plus you, you might love the... Active rock, which is the name of the format over there. You might love the active rock music a oh, little no, more I, than the classic rock that you I play here. I much prefer the inactive rock. Really? Yeah, the by inactive bands and uh, <laughs> like guys who are still dying. Uh, you know, meatloaf from those. Oh, of you just, uh, that's sad. Just yes. uh, joining us, meatloaf died. So uh, at the age of seventy-four. Sedentary rock, I guess that would be the category there. So yeah, yeah. And I uh, I posted my interview with Ellen Foley, who uh, for those of you that uh, don't remember, she's the one that sang with Meatloaf on Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It was mm-hmm. also in. Uh, the first season or two of Night Court. Before Marky Post took over, I think, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Nothing wrong well, with that. Well, both of them were fine. Oh, yeah, but mm-hmm. Marky Post, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Right. Anyway, uh, no, it's a really cool interview. She's a really nice lady, and uh, you can hear that interview. I've reposted it on uh, the Facebook page, the Baxi O'Brien Facebook page, mine, and also Baxi's Musical Fun Bag Facebook page. So I don't have a meatloaf interview to replay for you, but that should uh, that should keep you happen oh, uh, sure. happy for a little while i'm sure she has lots of great stories about uh she's got working some. with the loaf she's got some uh, between you know him and jim steinman and you know he's apparently a very sensitive very uh, theatrical guy not just on stage but in like real life he's very very sensitive ellen foley by the way just checking here 70 right now yeah yeah she's uh and and still making music believe it or not and i didn't know I'm looking at this on her bio on Wikipedia. She worked with The Clash as well. She used to date Mick Jones of The Clash. Oh, okay. And in fact, uh, the song Should I Stay or Should I Go, mm-hmm. written about her as they were breaking up. It's a breakup song, and that's written about Ellen Foley. Huh. Yeah. And and here's something I didn't know from her Wikipedia page under the personal life category. In 1990, she married Doug Bernstein. Did you mention that already or not? I don't know if we mentioned Doug Bernstein. He's the co-author of the Off-Broadway Review called Showing Off, and he's a graduate of Amherst College. How about that? How about that? Huh? Makes you think. Who knew? Think You, you think you know a guy. Right. It's uh, 727. We have news next. Or Conklin comes to you. It's just about 7.30 with Bax and Dave Coombs on Rock 102. Time for news brought to you by Yankee Home Improvement. Call now and you'll receive 40% off installation. Plus, if you mention Rock 102, you get a free shower fixture upgrade valued at $500. YankeeHome.com. Filling in for Steve Nagel today is Dave Coombs from Laser 99.3. Thanks, Bax. Time to panic. 
The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists announced its update on the doomsday clock, which represents exactly how close we are to annihilating ourselves here on this planet. Apparently, their decision to leave it where it was last year at 100 seconds to midnight. That reading, by the way, still the worst it's ever been, according to the folks who decide on the placement of the hands for the doomsday clock. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to uh, a moment or a period of absolute panic and pandemonium, are we supposed to run around in circles with our hands up in the air? I mean, is that is that standard policy? Yeah, kind of like uh, those scenes in Airplane when everybody goes crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, if I'm if, if I'm going to panic, am I doing it right? I want to be compliant. I want to be, uh, you know, kind of like a follower. I don't want to lead anybody in this. Yeah, I think you have to you have to you have to be willing to scream like a banshee and have your arms in the air and run around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you see uh, Don't Look Up? Yes. On Netflix? Yes. That's kind of like the the same thing, right? Yeah, it is. It's like a doomsday proposition. Yeah. Did you enjoy it by the way? I thought it was okay. I you know, I mean, I thought it was like a like an interesting uh concept. I I had a pretty uh, you know, I thought a appropriate uh, observation about it that I shared with Steve, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll share it with you to impress the living crap out of you too. Uh, did you notice at the end of the movie when they're sitting around the table, you know, you, you, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes back to his family yeah. and they're all sitting around yep. the table and, and, and they're just waiting for and they're, they're, they're the apocalypse, talk- right? Yeah. And they're like, they're talking about nonsense right? as a way to deny what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Very much like everybody else was denying what was happening throughout the movie. Right. Interesting little symbiotic uh, what comes around goes around in that movie. Well, and I guess from all the experts, and I guess we're not giving away anything at this point, supposedly all the news about the annihilation of the planet was just a thinly veiled attempt to talk about climate change, according to the critics who have written about this particular script for that movie. Except uh, this is about a comet hurling towards Earth. Right. But but in, in reality, the writer of the movie had climate change in mind when he right. wrote it, which is kind of silly. And then also there were political references in this movie. And like I kind of enjoyed the movie in and of itself until I read these reviews. And, oh, there are political statements being yeah, but, made. Yeah, but here. The, the thing about it is there's an element of truth to the movie. Yes. Is that no matter what happens or what we're facing, there's certainly an element of deniability that people have. I mean- the pandemic is a perfectly good example. I right. mean, there are some people who believe it, right. buy into it, get vaccinated, try to be, you know, compliant to regulations, and there are some people who say the whole damn thing's a hoax, right? Or just don't, or simply don't think it, it, that it will ever happen to them. Yeah, un- and, until it does, and they say, "Gee, I, I wish I had been vaccinated." Yeah, and, and the people in the movie aren't like what you had just mentioned before. They aren't running around. They aren't panicked. They're going around with their lives. They're taking selfies. They're mm-hmm. you know busy. Tweeting statements and it's kind of ridiculous. It is, it, I think it's a, a, a good commentary on where we're at in American life. I just think it fell a little short, like you. I was kind of like, eh, it was sort of a swing and a miss. The movie yeah. itself for me, but worth a look if you want to check it out. And some good, some big stars, hell of a cast with some great performances. The script for me was a little weak. It's all right, you know, Dave. It's a, uh, it, it was. It's a it's a it's a decent movie. I don't think anyone should yep. be sitting there over intellectualizing it other than me. And then, uh, but after that, that's on to everybody else's list. Well, along the same lines, backs here we have apocalyptic story number two. Okay, the idea of the sun dying. 
And there's a chance humanity won't even be around to experience it. According to scientists, not the people associated with the doomsday clock, Right. the Earth's oceans will be vaporized by the energy from the sun one billion years from now. At that time. Should we start planning ahead of time? Absolutely. And panic early. The Earth's oceans will be vaporized. At that time, the sun's brightness will have increased by around 10%. And there are other threats of climate change to take into account as well. Ultimately, the bottom line is the future of the Earth is grim, according to these scientists. Perhaps that's why so many people are focused on space travel and getting out of here and yeah. colonizing other portions of the galaxy. And why not? Remember Space 1999? Remember that show with Martin Landau? I do. Yeah, remember that was like a weird show? They they landed on the moon and then the moon somehow like uh, was hurtled uh, out of the orbit of the Earth. Remember that? Far-fetched. Oh, it's far-fetched, all right. Not but, as far-fetched as the sun exploding or dying, I suppose. I know, but if you know, Martin Landau was... Uh, was stuck in a spaceship with that, with that uh, that one woman that could change uh, that could shape shift and and Barbara Bain, <laughs> things aren't all that bad. Barbara Bain from the original uh, Mission Impossible TV show. Ain't right? nothing wrong with that. Yes, uh, I just don't understand how scientists know that the sun will die in a billion years, but we can't even get the five day forecast correct. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Seriously, and yet I only have three days to pay my cable bill. Yes. Go figure that. God, here's a little known fact. Christians and Jews in Germany pay taxes to the church. Well, that's a little known fact. When they go to church, they got to pay taxes on that, whether it's Catholic church, synagogue, whatever. They're paying tax to the church or they're paying tax because they go? Tax to the church. Well, it's like a tithing, isn't it? Every month, if you're a German, whether you're a Christian or a Jew over there. I got to tell you, uh, it was told to me that it was standard practice that uh, that if you donate to your church, it should be 10% of what you earn. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I started to laugh. Well, it's a good thing you're not a Mormon, because that is the case in the Mormon culture here in the United States. 10% of what I make? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you make me giggle out loud. So to put this whole thing in context with the Germans paying what's called the church tax or the worship tax. Yeah. It means that someone who earns the average monthly Berlin salary of a certain amount before taxes will end up paying more than another amount in church tax, and it works out to about 10%, like you're talking about. It's calculated based on your payroll tax and income and salaries withdrawn at the end of the month. So apparently in Germany, the amount can vary between 14 and 45%. Oh, man. Please. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what happens uh, to the people that don't go to church? Well, the, they don't have to pay. No, which I, which is the which which is the actual crux of this story. People are leaving the church in Germany in droves. Well, of course they are. Nobody wants to be you know on the hook for a tax. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's crazy. So more Germans than ever are. I'd be op- I'd be praying to God that they would stop the tax. Yes, more Germans than ever opting out. Quitting the church, partly in an effort to escape the tax. No one, no one wants to pay. Listen, the ten percent donation to the church is, is stiff enough. Mm-hmm. Now you want to you want to establish a tax? Nope. Looks like I'm lapsing again. <laughs> hey, there's a home in South Milwaukee. I know you went to college at Marquette. I lived in South Milwaukee. Did you? I did. Well, this particular home in South Milwaukee has gone viral. 
And it's got some interesting aspects to it. Okay. For instance, four toilets. All right, all right. Because so then it's definitely not our house. We had we only had two. Well, this. And, but they got a workout though. They did the work of four. This this home in South Milwaukee is popping up all over social media due to the uniqueness of one of these bathrooms. The home was built in 1851. It features a bathroom that has not one toilet but four. And that's right, the home has a communal bathroom, which makes the bathroom even more strange is the lack of partitions. It's just bang, 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 four toilets in a row, sitting next to each other with nothing separating them. That's it? So multiple people could use the bathroom at once, but they got to look at each other while they're doing it. So Ooh, yeah, no, it's no. on the market right now. It can be purchased, this particular South Milwaukee home, with right, I'm four looking. toilets that are communal. All right, I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice-looking bathroom, but there is no way that I am going to sit in a toilet right. with extra people in the room. That is – and there's four sinks, so it, it looks it almost looks like, uh, like a public restroom. Right. But there's no way. That I will do any of that business in front of other people. That's, I, that's my time. I agree with you completely there. I, I know other people who are able to do that, go to the bathroom like that with other people standing right over them. I'm like, yeah. uh, In fours? What yeah. kind of sick bastard does that to their bathroom? The family that craps together stays together. Well, Max, no, apparently I, in South Milwaukee. Not, not, hey, listen. It's not, uh, that's not, that wasn't even in my neighborhood. Please. No, thank you. A reporter in West Virginia is gone viral because she was hit by a car during a live roadside report on Wednesday when she was talking to the anchor in the studio. She was live roadside. There was a split screen, and this is what happened. They're not seeing any flakes, but wet roads, water main breaks. Okay, I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's the first for um, you on okay. TV, Jory. You know, that's live TV for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. <laughs> Tori Yorgi. Jesus. Not only was hit while doing her job as a reporter alongside a roadway in West Virginia, but got hit by a car in the same way in college. Yeah, you know, talk about a professional. Right? If, if it had been me and I got hit by a car, I don't care if the cameras are right on me. There's a bunch of expletives coming from my mouth. Well, not only that, a lawsuit on the way. Well, even still, you need a payday as the result of that, right? Yeah, I've never been. Uh, I've never been hit by a car, uh, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the prospect. I haven't either. I have a friend of mine who was hit by a car while jogging years ago in the Syracuse area, and he's he still suffers to this day. Now he's he's okay. He's functional, but he can't run. He used to run marathons and stuff like that. Can't do it anymore. Yeah. Got hit I, by a car. I saw a guy get hit by a car uh, once, and uh, his leg was pointing in directions that legs are not supposed to point in. Ooh. So, yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that guy <laughs> – I don't think he kept his leg. But, uh, no, that's uh, – but if I were hit by a car, I wouldn't keep reporting. That's for damn sure. Uh, there's a video. I, w- I wouldn't toss it back to the studio. Right. Now back to you, Barry. There's a video of Tori Yorgi getting hit by the car. If you want to check that out, or perhaps we could post it somewhere on the uh, Rock 102 – Facebook page or website a little bit later on so you could check it out. But she does pop right back up after being struck by the SUV. Damn. And she assures viewers and even the woman in the car who struck her, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. That is until she files a a lawsuit. But she also said that this is her last week on the job, by the way. 
So was she was she planning on quitting before this happened, or she yes. say this is the last straw? No, she was planning on quitting beforehand, and now I think she's going to get all sorts of great job offers for being a gamer. Who doesn't want a tough person like that I gotta in their you. employ? I got to tell you, some of these reporters, you know, out on the in the elements, you know, when it's slippery or cold, yeah. like Katrina Kincaid is out at the Hall of Fame parking lot right in front of the, the Hilton Garden Inn. She's covered up with, you know, like, like it's, well, what is it now? It's it's seven degrees out. Mm-hmm. They sent that poor woman out uh, in the cold right. just to say, hey, everybody, it's cold. Stay inside. Right. Well, you know what? She could have done the same thing from the studio without running the risk of frostbite or gangrenous skin. Wow. And the weather reporters who get swept up in a hurricane or a tornado, I have no sympathy for them. Jim Cantori on the Weather Channel made a whole career out of doing that. When I see these idiots talking right in front of an approaching hurricane or a tornado, I have no sympathy for these people. We, well, we you know we had a guy here locally that uh, wound up taking a job at uh, the Weather Channel, the, yeah. the dreamy Eric Fisher, mm-hmm. and uh, the dreamy Eric Fisher winds up going to the to the Weather Channel, and he's the, he's that guy. All of a sudden, he's standing in the middle of hurricanes mm-hmm. and tornadoes and and uh, tsunamis, and this was his job, right? And he and he he loved it, and then until finally he said, I can't. I can't put my uh, myself at this kind of risk. I got, I got a wife at home. Right. I got, I got children to deal with now. I, I have to think about, you know, do, do I want to get blown off a building? And the answer has to be no. Right. Makes you think. Why did Cantori stick it out for as long as he did? Hey, we're talking about him now. He's famous. I think. Well, he was famous before, but I think it's some sort of mental defect. That's what I think. All right. Should have him I, investigated. I think it's a death wish. M and M's are all woke now. That's right. Woke candy. M&M's just changed the characters in its commercials because apparently the lady M&M's were being viewed as being sexist or they were the M&M's was being accused of producing sexist material by presenting its lady M&M's in the fashion in which they were presenting them on air. I never felt it was actually necessary to be gender specific with M&M's. I know that when I uh, rip through a bag, I'm not looking Real carefully to see if it's a male or female one. And and you're not influenced by the advertising at all. Whereas, not at all. Whereas a lot of people were. They were complaining about it to the folks at M&M's. And so M&M's went ahead and changed it. Now, if you remember, the green M&M used to wear, used to wear sexy knee-high boots. Now, I was not aware of that. Now the green... <laughs> see, you're not paying close attention to the advertising like these other critics are, Bax. That's your problem. Well, that's know, a you problem. Listen, I, I'm as much of a pervert as the next guy, but I'm not looking at uh, at what the M and M's are wearing. Well, I'm the, I'm more concerned about where can I get M and M's, right? And where can I get them fast? Well, the the woke critics were upset about the green M and M wearing those sexy knee high boots, so they changed it. Now that green M and M in advertisements is shown wearing sneakers. Again, all gender non specific. Candies. Yes. The brown M&M wore stilettos. And again, you obviously don't remember that as well. No, I, I don't. I, again, the footwear was never something I uh, paid attention to. The woke culture upset about the brown M&M wearing the stilettos. So now she is wearing, I love this part, a chunkier heel. Ah, okay. That's All supposed right. to be more, quote, professional, according yes. to the statement from the folks at M&M. Well, it's, that's, it's probably, probably about time. Oh, my God. God, I, just, I mean, really? We've gotten to that point in our culture, right? Well, Dave, do you want to offend people out there 
uh, or do you just want to sell bags of M&Ms? To me, uh, listen, the the end game is about pushing product. That's it. M&M's saying- gotten to the point now where we shouldn't even be thinking of gender. We shouldn't even be thinking of any culture. We should just be thinking about the diabetes we're going to get from eating all those M&Ms. The folks at M&M's, by the way, saying in their official statement when they changed all this stuff that apparently the M&M's will also be more, quote, supportive of each other in these ads. Oh, it's about time. So Usually the, they're such little backstabbing right. bastards. Yes, all the M&M trash talking that was going on oh, apparently. Yeah. Well, well there's like a whole hazing ritual. They were so cruel to each other. Yep. Yeah. So that's going to stop. Now you'll see kinder, gentler M&M ads. Oh, thank goodness. With characters who care about each other and wear appropriate clothing. I would uh, be more likely to buy M&Ms if I thought that uh, each one of these M&Ms were expressing their feelings. Well, there you go. Thank God <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> Why? Why would Van Halen remove all the brown ones? Why is that? Because the brown one was wearing stilettos that were too sexy. That's why. Now we know the real answer. Highs in the low 20s today. Mid to high 20s tomorrow. Low 30s on Sunday. So getting progressively warmer as the weekend progresses. Lots of sun all weekend long. I'm Dave Coombs filling in for Steve Nagel. And that's news to me on Rock 102. The Connecticut Lottery and Play Sugar House Sportsbook have even more places to bet on your favorite sports. Visit Bobby V's in Windsor Locks and Stamford. Sports Haven in New Haven. Or winners in Hartford, Manchester, New Britain, Torrington, Waterbury, and Milford. Our wagering kiosks offer tons of sports betting options, from props to parlays, and even live in-game wagers. Learn more at PlaySugarHouse.com. Must be 21 or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Hi, I'm Mike Moriarty. Back, back down. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 752 and Tom Petty, I won't back down to Rock 102. Partly cloudy today, high of 21. Tonight, it is going to get wicked cold. Low of 2, but mainly clear. And then for tomorrow, mostly sunny and high of 27. It's not that much warmer than 2 now. It's only 7 degrees right now in downtown Springfield. Congratulations to Sharon Sine of West Springfield. She won herself a new Amazon Echo Dot just by listening uh, to uh, Rock 102 every morning. We're giving out a different code word every day, 750 Every weekday morning, and all you've got to do is go to rock102.com before noon each day. Enter that code word for your chance to win. We'll choose a winner every weekday afternoon. It's code word Alexa, your chance to win a new Amazon Echo Dot brought to you by the new Bud Light Next. 80 calories, zero carbs, coming in February from Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. Dave, the uh, the code word today yes. is the word app. Oh, which, that's two P's, right? I always have a problem with that one. Yeah, it is uh, with two P's. That okay. is spelled A-P-P. Gotcha. Are you down with A-P-P? I got to A-P-P right here. As long as you're down with A-P-P, because you know, you know me. Anyway, that's uh, that's the code word. Go to rock102.com before noon today for your chance to win a, a new Amazon Echo Dot from Rock 102. Now, these Echo Dots, by the way, are... They're really good devices, and they take up like zero space, which is really cool. Uh, I, I talked about the device I got, or we got for my folks down in Florida for Christmas. The With Sonos? Uh, the Sonos Move. It looks like a, it's like as big as a coffee maker. It's this huge black uh, cylinder, whereas the Echo Dot's just this little tiny thing, and yet it gets great 
sound quality out yeah. of that little thing. And you, I mean, you can you can listen to the radio. You mm-hmm. can have it do all kinds of things. Right. You can also uh, listen to podcasts on it, yeah, like I'll, the Bax and O'Brien podcast. Wow, how sly of you there. Or Baxi's musical podcast, which is also available on Apple <laughs> Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, huh. or directly from BaxandO'Brien.com. Wow. Yeah, all those things. Yes, the uh, Echo Dot. Yes. So, again, the code word is app. With two PPs. That's right. Okay. We should all have two of them. Uh, it's 755. Speak for yourself. I have enough problems just with one for crap. There's no way I could control two. No, of course. Well, they already have a mind of its own. Yes. You, don't, you don't need extra intelligence down there. No. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Super Bowl and some things that are going on with yes. the halftime show and also a petition to uh, to change how we handle the Super Bowl. That's coming up in just a few minutes on Rock 102. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 810 and Pearl Jam and Rock 102. Hey, it's going to be pretty cold today. Highs in the low 20s. Then a little warmer tomorrow, mid to the high 20s. And then a little warmer on Sunday with highs in the low 30s. And lots of sunshine all weekend long. It's uh, 7. Woo. 7 degrees. Love that's, it. Uh, that's tough. Uh, Dave Coons from Laser 99.3 is uh, filling in for uh, Steve and has been all this week. So thank you very much for uh, for doing that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story. You know, when I was a kid, I uh, I try not to get involved in too much stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, one, I was lazy. Two, I wasn't <laughs> passionate enough about anything. Things haven't changed uh, in my right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a an eighteen year old kid, Frank Ruggieri from Palm Bay, Florida, football fan, and uh, you know, with the Super Bowl uh, not that far away, he realizes that to have the Super Bowl on a Sunday night, you know, it, it affects everybody. In a negative way. How long have we been saying this, I mean, Bax? It's the worst. I mean, yes. you, you don't want to you don't want to bag out of the game, right? But it doesn't end until eleven, eleven thirty, and you know if it's your team that's in it, you know you're usually filled up with so adrenaline, so much adrenaline. You can't just who can just fall asleep after the Super Bowl? I can't do it. I I, I can't fall asleep after uh, Green Bay wins the Super Bowl. So uh, you know you wind up suffering. Yeah, the following day. So this kid puts together a uh, a petition, and the uh, the idea here is is that uh, it's a petition to move the Super Bowl from Sunday night to Saturday night, and if you can't do that, then have Monday be a federal holiday, and none of us have to go to work the following day. Look, Super Bowl is just as big as some of the other days of the year that we officially recognize as holidays. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you know, you know Labor Day. <sighs> I don't need to work on Labor Day, right? Uh, you know, Memorial Day, Veterans okay. Day. Okay, no, you those, get are, those. those are those right. are good holiday. Right. Martin Luther King Day. Hey, those are all good. Sure, but, but like you know, one more day would that would that really kill us? Would well, that really kill us? With the amount of people who pay attention to the Super Bowl, whether it's for the football or the pageantry or the commercials, it's staggering. This 18 year old kid mm-hmm. has got 100,000 signatures on this petition. Good for him. A hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me. Yeah, the more I mean, yeah, yes, there's the tradition of uh, of Sunday night. But imagine how much better it would be, yes. how much bigger your party could be, yes, if it were a Saturday mm-hmm. rather than a Sunday, yeah, or and, if you had the day off on Monday. Well, and the Saturday thing makes a lot of sense to me anyway, because for a while there, they were experimenting with only one week 
between the NFC and AFC championship games and the Super Bowl, and they were deciding, yeah, we're going to go back to having two weeks. So that's what it is now. you got two weeks of, like, nothingness right. between the championship games and the Super Bowl. So what's sub- the subtraction of one day? So, in you know, under the current schedule, having a Super Bowl Saturday would make a lot of sense. Although I guess they've got a lot of, like, merchandising all tied yeah. into Super Sunday, yeah, but Super all, Bowl but, Sunday. Okay, but, you know, say, but, so you wouldn't get it done for this year, mm-hmm. but you could get it done for next year. Yep. And it's not, I don't know who, where the uh, Super Bowl is for next year, but in pretty sure that uh, the stadium's going to be available. Right, and they don't worry about the changing of team nicknames where it's going to ruin the merchandising for the no, former please. Washington Redskins who will now be known as, I guess, the Washington Admirals. Well, don't, don't you worry about a thing. They're, they're not going to be going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. So, uh, But uh, I like this idea, mm-hmm. and I give this kid credit. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm all for traditions. Don't get me wrong. I would never uh, dismiss a, a well-conceived, well-crafted, long-standing tradition. Well... But the tradition of Super Bowl means I go to work on a Monday and I'm friggin' exhausted because yep. I wake up at 3 o'clock on a, on a Monday. Well, we've been pounding this same drum for decades, it seems like, on the radio. So I guess it's only fitting that a child should lead them. Yes. Maybe, maybe this kid finally gets it done. 18-year-old Frank Ruggieri. Way to go, Frank. I like your idea. All right. Now, the halftime show, another part of the Super Sunday every year. Another, do, do, another tradition. Do you have a favorite? halftime show from among all of the halftime shows that have occurred. I really enjoyed that Janet Jackson one. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, I, I, we were at a bar mm-hmm. when it happened and and uh, and John and I were doing like a Super Bowl party and John didn't see it and I saw it and I'm like, wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna provide a star spangled spectacular, what better way is there to expose naked breasts? I agree with that. I also enjoyed Prince's performance. I thought it was great. And yeah, that was and good. He, and he did it in the rain, too. I think it was in Florida. Yeah, but nothing, but nothing was exposed. Right. Well, and maybe that's for the best. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need to see anything on Prince's body exposed. On, on the Thanks. other hand, you know, for every uh, for every Prince, ugh, there's a cold play. And you know, no one should have to talk about sucking the wind out of an entire stadium oh my god well speaking of which cold play is the kind of music that people listen to when they don't like music i you know i don't mind cold play i think cold play is okay i think we're uh, i think we're done here dave <laughs> but what about this year's halftime show i mentioned it in sports yes dr dre yep snoop dogg yep eminem mm-hmm. mary j blige right and kendrick lamar all performing in the pepsi halftime show this year the official trailer is already out now promoting that particular event and pepsi of course is calling it a colossal moment in pop culture history for the most anticipated halftime show of all time well uh you're dealing with a bunch of heavyweights here yeah i mean i, I mean they really i, I mean you know we obviously we're not playing a whole lot of kendrick lamar here on rock 102 but we probably should mm-hmm. uh we don't play a lot of snoop but uh I'll probably be drinking gin and juice for most of the Super Bowl. And M&M's? We were just talking about M&M's. <laughs> well, you, I'll have a big bowl of M&M's sitting right on my uh, on my chest. So you seem to have a good grasp of the these these artists enough to suggest that, um, you know, maybe they're heavyweights and that they we should be playing them more. So yes. how much do you know about these artists and their songs? We're not gonna a freaking fi- thing. We're going to find out right now. All right. This is, this is not going to go well, but all right. I've gathered the lyrics from some of the hit songs of these artists. All right. Cool. Let, let's get a little, uh, little bit of a theme. <laughs> going here. All right, very there good. There we go. Yes. So, 
You've got five artists. Yes. You I, have, I got the list right in front of me. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. I will give you a set of lyrics from a hit tune. You tell me which artist the lyrics belong to, all right? That's got to be one of these five, right? Yes. Ready? Okay. And that's realer than real deal Holyfield. And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel. Well, if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk... I'll take a small piece of some of that funky stuff. I'm going to say that is uh, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Incorrect. Really? That would be Dr. Dre from his classic Nothing But a G Thing. Uh, see, that was going to be my second guess. Okay. All right, next one. I got the Roly on my arm, and I'm pouring Shandong. And I roll the best weed because I got it going oh, on. Go. That that's Snoop, right? <laughs> yes. Did I get that one right? Correct. All right. Drop it like it's hot. Okay, I'm I'm running fifty percent here. Snoop the dog on that one. Well, I mean, when you when you drop a, a weed reference in the middle of the lyric, yeah. And well, he is known. I don't know if you're aware of this. He has known <laughs> or been known to use marijuana. Really? Recreationally. Had no idea. And I think he's not the only artist who smokes. The devil's I don't lettuce. Know. I don't know. Here's your next one. All my life, I want money and power. Respect my mind or die from a lead shower. I pray my D get big as the Eiffel Tower. Who would be singing about D? Well, it's probably not Mary J. I'm Blige. I say Mary J. Blige. <laughs> uh, Kendrick Lamar. Ah, from, nuts. From his hit. Backseat freestyle. I really thought I was close in that one. Two more left. All right, I'm ready. Up in this dancery, we got you open. Now you floating. So you gots to dance for me. Don't need no hateration. Uh, I'm going to guess that is Eminem. Not Eminem? Incorrect. And the only reason I'm saying Eminem is it's the only guy that I haven't picked yet. That was Mary J. Blige ah, from Family Affair. Oh, God. Well, I think but, not the, but not the Sly Stone Family Affair, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, that's a good one. Well, you've only got one toss-up left. His palms are sweaty, his knees weak, his arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater already, Mom's spaghetti. That's Eminem. You got it. All right. Very good. Congratulations. So I'm like uh, two and 30? I guess you pass. I don't really. No, I didn't pass at all. I knew I wasn't going to do very good. Just about as good as uh, Steve Grogan's completion percentage there. All right. Let's on Sunday, but at least lots of sunshine going on. And uh, you're going to have to brush up on your uh, lyrics and some of the oh, hits yeah. from some of these bands who will be performing uh, acts performing at the halftime show. Well, obviously. I got a couple weeks to, to bone yeah. up on my uh, on my uh, halftime show entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just make a, a, a statement here? And it's not to be critical of some members of our audience, but I'm sure it's going to be seen that way. We announced earlier this morning during Hollywood Trash that Meatloaf had died yes. at the age of 74. Yes. And, and what did I do? I went and I reposted my interview with Ellen Foley, who sang with Meatloaf on right. Paradise by the Dashboard Light on uh, all of our Facebook pages. Right? I did that. Good all job. right. I have gotten in the last, what is it, 822 now? All right. In the last two hours, no less than 10 messages, DMs, and posts on Facebook saying, hey, did you see that Meatloaf died? 
and then they followed up me, me, uh, with uh, with a line that was created uh, many years ago when the you know whenever a celebrity would die, I would say our interview, like when Michael Jackson died, I said our interview with Michael Jackson has been temporarily postponed. Mm-hmm. And now people are saying and and using the joke, uh, what about that interview with Meatloaf? Has that been postponed? Ah, I, 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 listen. Uh, let's not be insensitive. The man just died for crying out loud. And I've had like 10 people miss out on the fact that we've already talked about it and I've already posted it. Yeah, like, and- you you ravenous ghouls out there trying to make light of the death of a man that provided years of entertainment for all of you. Yeah, and it's not like we do only mentioned it during the Hollywood trash at 5.45 in the morning. We, we mentioned it a few yes. other times as well. It's meatloaf. Yeah. There'll be, no, there'll be no leftovers. He's an icon. He's an icon. We we've I mean we've interviewed uh, like Todd Rundgren who produced that record mm-hmm. right I've done that I've uh, we've interviewed uh, uh, Kasim Sultan who played uh, bass on that record I mean we've given Meatloaf you know uh, enough enough servings here uh, over the years that uh, we're good so yes it was funny the nine hundredth time we did it but oh my God it's like how many people are going to keep e- you know, instant messaging me and said you hear about Meatloaf yes. Yes, and of course, I've heard about meatloaf. There's nothing he wouldn't do for love. He wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that. But he did that. He went ahead and died. I did kind of wonder what was that one thing that he wouldn't do. Yeah, it would have to be something pretty perverse. I guess. Like I, you have to say, oh no, no, listen, I've, I've got no limits, except that one thing. Yeah, I'm not going to do that because that's, that's off the menu. Well, maybe he's answering that question right now in heaven. Oh, that's, that's, that's where he is. Let's hope so. Mm-hmm. And uh, so again. Uh, meatloaf dead at the age of 74 and they happen in threes as they like to say so i know we, we were well past the the betty white Sidney poitier yes and uh i forgot the third one and there was somebody but now it's 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 going to be a new three well s- starting with meatloaf meatloaf and then uh you know what else do you what else do you get mm-hmm. i mean you know who 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 else is out there that's not looking so good yeah overweight rock stars maybe who are uh Taxing their hearts a little too well, much. Know, Louis Anderson was uh, was hospitalized. Yes. You know, I, mean, yes. I hate to see him go. He's a very nice man. Right. Right. Oh well. Anyway, uh, not to not to bring the whole show down. I'm just saying I got the joke. We're all good. Keep it to yourself now. It's 825. News is next to Rock 102. When will the snow start? When will it end? Rock. It's 828. With uh, Baxter and Dave Coombs from Laser 99.3 on Rock 102, it is time for news, and it is brought to you by Taxland, Boston Road in Springfield, Cottage Street in East Hampton, or online at taxlandonline.com. Filling in for Steve Nagel this week is Dave Coombs. Well, it's official. The Attorney General in the state of Massachusetts, Maura Healey, officially declared her candidacy to become the governor of the Commonwealth. She made that announcement yesterday, saying she's prepared to lead from the governor's seat at a, quote, moment of urgency for our country and for the state of Massachusetts. She made it official at a uh, tea stop, if I'm not mistaken, with a little speech she gave. And she said after a seven year, quote, lesson in serving a state, she describes as a, quote, prideful melting pot. Mm. She's ready to go now and make the move from attorney general to governor of the state of Massachusetts. Is there uh, any place that's better to make this kind of statement than at a tea stop in Boston? Right. I think it's a perfect place. 
Or maybe a Duncan or something like that. I would have done it at a Duncan, yeah. uh, frankly, because you know, to me, I mean, the tea is fine, but it's like you know, out here in this part of the state, we don't really give a rat's ass about the tea. Well, except for the Boston Tea Party. No, we don't even, we don't even really care about that. That was that's right. like yesterday's news. But you do it in front of a Duncan, which all of us can relate to. Yeah, then that's a, that's that's a way to sway my vote, maybe. Also in Boston, we talked about that new mandate for wearing masks indoors right. <clears throat> and showing proof of vaccination, which is ongoing now and became official last weekend. We talked about that incident at the pizzeria in the North End, Regina Pizzeria, where the maskless guy punched the manager in the face. Well, we got a similar event at a Dunkin' in Brookline at Harvard Street after a man allegedly threw hot coffee toward a fellow customer because that fellow customer wasn't wearing a mask. This is an outrage. You realize I won't, I, yeah, what, a, what a cup of coffee goes for? I right? mean, not that Dunkin' is, uh, is, is, uh, is serving a, a, you know, a delicious hot coffee at an inflated price, but you know, you're drinking coffee like every day. You go to Dunkin' all the time. <laughs> you don't waste perfectly good coffee like that. Still cost you. 23-year-old yeah, depending on what you get, you can get a delicious medium iced latte for just $2. Well, that's $2 down the drain because right? you decided to throw your latte at somebody like an idiot. Well, they're they're blaming the 23-year-old Dion Millsap who threw the coffee. Dion Millsap. They're evaluating his mental capabilities right now. Yeah, emphasis on the sap. He had allegedly been standing in front of the victim, a 56-year-old guy named Matteo Salito of Brockton. They were both in line at the Dunkin' when the younger guy, Millsap, the guy who threw the coffee, noticed the older guy wasn't wearing a face covering. So he made a comment to the older guy, mm-hmm. and the older guy tried to mitigate the situation and de-escalate by, oh, sorry, pulling his shirt up over his mouth and nose. All right. That seems like a, a fair move, right? Maybe, for, maybe he forgot his mask in the car. And it's really just as effective, I suppose, as... You know, having a mask on, especially if it's only one of those paper masks. You know, I would have been just as outraged if you said the guy was throwing a bunch of Dunkin' Munchkins at the uh, at this old guy. Again, you know, like a like a box of twenty five Munchkins. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you. What a waste of perfectly good food. Yeah, like one, this was a waste of perfectly good coffee. Well, you could just throw the Dunkins one by one, the little Munchkins, I suppose, and then not waste them all instead of the entire box. But even one Munchkin is it, 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 to to be thrown at somebody wasted. Uh, listen, that's I, I I cannot I cannot support this kind of activity at all. Yeah. By the way, the little mini bagel bites, the mm-hmm. new the new item on the Dunkin' menu, delicious. You like those? Oh, you love, love them. them. Wouldn't throw those. I would throw them down my throat. They, they, yeah, they're good. They come in two flavors, by the way. They come in the uh, egg white veggie flavor and the double cheese flavor. Both of them are excellent. All right. And it's now part of my uh, routine on Saturday mornings, by the way, and Sunday mornings. To so that's his- what you do in your spare time. Yeah. It's been yeah. a big mystery to all of us. Yeah. What does Coombs do when he's not doing Coombs stuff? <laughs> Sample all the delicacies at the various drive throughs Wow. Millsap, you are living it up, aren't you? I, hey, You're you making the most of this job. You only live once, Bax. Well, Mil- I applaud you. Millsap, the 23-year-old, had become belligerent toward the entire thing at Dunkin' Donuts, all the employees, the fellow patrons and everything. That's why he snapped and threw the coffee. A belligerent is putting it mildly. Under investigation. He should be locked in jail without an investigation. <laughs> Ooh, man, causing a ruckus at a Dunkin'. 
Thought I'd never live to see the day. The Boston Symphony Orchestra yesterday announcing details of Tanglewood's upcoming summer season in Lenox. It's the first full season of concerts and events since 2019 there. Yeah. The season will begin June 17th and run through September 4th and will offer the broad range of activities and an extraordinary lineup of diverse and exemplary performers like Yo-Yo Ma. Nothing wrong with that. Right? Looking forward to that. You know, it, uh, it's hard to believe that it's been that long. Yeah. But really, I mean, think about it. It has been, in fact, that long. I mean, 2020 was a wash. 2021 was no great shakes. 2022 seems like we might get there, but not quite yet. You know, Tanglewood is a is a is a great uh, is a great place. Yep. You know, the Berkshires are perfectly fine uh, tourist trap. <laughs> well, all of this is why it's driven me to drive throughs like Dunkin' Donuts to sample those tremendous items because right. I haven't had these availabilities for entertainment back. So, um, you know. But you're not going to waste something you got at a drive-thru. No. I mean, even at an Arby's for crying out loud. I mean, if I spend, you know, five bucks on a sandwich, I'm not going to toss it at somebody because I don't like the way they're they're acting in a pandemic. Which is why they're checking out the mental stability of the 23-year-old through the coffee. I think you have to. I mean, even, again, even an Arby's sandwich I wouldn't throw. As long as we're on Dunkin' Donuts, business owners and home owners in Westfield are opposed to the plans for a new Duncan and retail building located at 212 and 230 Southampton Road. The new Duncan there would be a replacement for the one currently a little further down Southampton, uh, Southampton Road at 430 Southampton Road. Opponents are worried about too much traffic in that neighborhood. You know, I, uh, I don't uh, I don't have a problem ever uh, with a Duncan or its location or its effect on traffic. Again, I'm a big supporter of Duncan. <clears throat> Me too. Everything that they do. Obviously. I've already made that declaration. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I know exactly where this is. I mean, it's like, I mean, come on now. I know I know exactly uh, what we're talking about. And that Duncan, it's, listen, that's like that's that's like the, the last stop right before the pike. Well, you yeah, can, sometimes you don't want to go driving on the pike unless you got a box of munchkins or like a, a big iced coffee. Well, and it's not like you can blame the uh, traffic problem solely on a Duncan, there's other business there, right? Yes. There's going to be traffic, like you, you said, it's close to the close to the pike anyway, right? Yes. <laughs> Perfectly fine. There's another disagreement going on, not in Westfield, but in Southwick, where members of Southwick's Lake Management Committee said Wednesday evening that Congamon Lake has a boating density problem. The committee was discussing the possibility of Crabby Joe's constructing a marina on its lakeside property, which would have room for up to 80 additional boats. The majority of the committee opposing allowing of the new construction because the lake they're saying is already over capacity for the mm. number of boats and 80 more would add to a huge problem that already exists. Well, I don't know, man. I haven't, uh, I have not been to uh, the lake in quite a while. I don't, I don't know what kind of traffic they're getting, but seems to me that eighty boats, a lot of boats for that uh, for that small of a pond. And you know, I'm not familiar with the size of that lake, so I can't really fully comment on it's that. It's not, but... it's not a big lake, and you know, a lot of people hang out there and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's, you know, it's kind of a 
cool little part of, uh, of Southwick, but 80 boats is a lot of extra boats. All right, so maybe Krabby Joe's better go back to the drawing board and come up with a compromise number for the marina that it proposes on its lakeside property, right? I guess so. Let's see. Where was I at here? You're right there. Oh, a PSA. I'm, I'm looking at you right from here. A PSA from the FBI. They've issued a warning about QR codes. What's pa- the problem with a QR code? New scam going on. Apparently using QR codes at restaurants and businesses makes life easier for consumers, but also easier for thieves who are after your money. That's the warning from the FBI telling U.S. residents to watch out for bogus QR codes that direct their cell phones to malicious websites that either steal data or hijack payments. The Mm. warning comes after police in Austin, Texas, found more than two dozen bogus QR codes at city parking stations down there. You know, we were uh, the last couple of events that uh, that we've done, Rock 102 and, and, and Laser for that matter, too. Um, you know, rather than fill out the old entry blank, you know, mm-hmm. if you've ever been to like a Rock One Two work release party or a mm-hmm. Thirsty Thursday sure. event with Laser in the past, you had to fill out those those stupid little uh, uh, you know winter sheets, mm-hmm. those little uh, things. Well, you don't do that anymore. Now you just take your phone and you pass it by the QR code and you sign up like right there. Yep. And they contact your cell phone right. if you're a big winner. Very I convenient. Love I love it. Yes. I love that idea. Same thing with me and uh, flying. I, yeah. I've, I've flown a couple of times uh, during the pandemic, and uh, I'm getting used to the idea of having my boarding pass right there on my phone with the QR code that gets scanned by the airport computer, and I don't have to worry about losing my slip of paper that has my boarding pass on it. Dave, do you realize the kind of expense that uh, a radio station uh, would incur every year with uh, entry blanks? And pens, right? I mean, we would spend close to three hundred thousand dollars a year See? in pens because See? everybody would steal our pens. This is what makes you such a valuable employee. You get it. Well, because I, you know, I've done the math, and it's about three hundred thousand dollars worth of, of pens. That's why half of our pens didn't work because to cut costs, we had to use really lousy pens. And now with a QR code, we don't even need pens. Just it's at the point now where you know at the radio station, if I need a pen. I, I really got to go look for a pen, mm-hmm. and, and and not every room has one. For just, this very reason, just to save a few bucks, I love the QR code. Just be careful out there because there are malicious QR codes designed to steal your money. Right, but how do you know? How do you know? There's is there something about a a, a falsified, dangerous QR code? I mean, the, the average person wouldn't be able to spot a bad QR code. That's a good. It's a good point. Yeah, like how am I supposed to be careful? I want I the QR code is there for my convenience, and I'm supposed to know which ones are real and which ones are not real. Well, maybe this is something for our scam aside guy. Yeah, I'm sure Steve Weissman will probably email me by the end of the year uh, <laughs> and leave a QR code to return his email. All right. I mean, if anyone who's going to know how to scam you, it's that guy. We were talking earlier about some of the nefarious characters who are going to be up for induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year. Cheaters and steroid users and the such. Well, now Hugh Hefner's credibility is coming into question. Come on. Holly Madison, one of his former squeezes, opening up about her experience at the Playboy Mansion and describing it as if it were a cult. She says, quote, the reason I think the mansion was very cult-like looking back on it is because we were all kind of gaslit by Hugh Hefner. Mm. And expecting 
to think of Hef as this really good guy when, in fact, he was not. He was a predator. She added it was really easy to get isolated from the outside world while you were enjoying things in the Playboy Mansion. You had a 9 o'clock curfew. You were encouraged not to have friends over. Mm-hmm. You weren't really allowed to leave unless it was for a family holiday. The docuseries called Secrets of the Playboy Mansion will be out January 24th on A&E. And in it, you're going to find out some really bad stuff about Hugh Hefner saying that he took advantage of these young girls. Really? Yes. I would never have suspected that from that See? Guy. He seemed like such a legitimate businessman. <laughs> See? Not manipulating or threatening or imposing his control habits on somebody else just for the sake of... His own sexual pleasure. His own sexual pleasure or profit. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be the, to have been the, that kind of guy. Another one of our icons is about to fall by the wayside. God, is there is there nobody that we can look up to now? Next thing you'll be telling me that that uh, you know Larry Flint's got some things in his uh, skeletons in his closet. <laughs> that'll be that'll be a different docu series on a different network coming out next year. Regional police in Toronto, Canada, busy working on an alleged theft that happened at. Richmond Hills Music Store in which a person stole an $8,000 guitar by shoving it down his pants. It has to be a pretty big pair of pants. I know David Byrne had that huge jacket that he wore. Yeah. You could talking pro- heads. You could probably sneak something like that out of that jacket. But the pants, I don't know. I'm going to assume that it went down his pants neck first. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd need like a very large set of flares. Yeah. Yeah, I would guess you're right. I mean, I, you know. It's kind of like John Dillinger with his crank, allegedly, or Milton Berle. He had to go down one leg with it. Yeah, right. Same thing with the neck of a guitar, I guess. Yeah, I you're guess. probably right. I guess. Yeah. But how do you walk around with something like that? Not very well, obviously. I mean, you walk in, you yeah. see like you're walking perfectly fine. You walk out like you've just been shot in the leg. <laughs> or you got to go to the bathroom really bad. Really bad. Yeah. But, you know, guitars are expensive. Mm-hmm. I totally get why somebody would want to walk out with one. Yeah. Now, stealing a drum set in your pants—that would—or yeah. a piano, you know, like a like a like a like a Baldwin piano—that would be a little bit tough. That's considered a challenge, by the way. For you need very big pants. Yeah. You need something that's got some stretch. I think it can happen. I mean, like really stretchy. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen stretch pants. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you got to have something that's got—you got to fit a whole musical instrument in your pants. And still, you know, have some room, breathing room. I mean, the you know the the bits and pieces have got to still operate. Sometimes I like to wear these stretchy pants, so I can steal a guitar from a music store in Toronto. Melissa Mays from Verona, Ohio. She's gone viral because of something she posted on a Facebook group. It was a photo of she and her husband Sean walking a rooster on a leash. She said the bird has a name, Carl Francis. And the bird is very friendly. Right. She went on to explain that someone had left the bird randomly at their house. Now, that sounds a little suspicious to me. Leaving a bird at somebody's house at random? Anyway, this happened five months ago, so they had no other choice but to take in the friendly bird that they named Carl Francis. Right. And then train it. And again, walks on a leash. You can check out the viral video of this. And according to Melissa May... The bird also, quote, likes to be held. Really? Mm-hmm. 
Again, uh, <clears throat> we did this story at six o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, as I told you, um, you know, a lot of people have heard the story already. I know I've heard the story. <clears throat> See, uh, everybody has heard about the bird. Well, especially now that it's gone viral. Just a moment, please. So satisfying to play the trash men twice in a day. Congratulations. You know, it feels good. I mean, it's kind of like a, like I rickrolled you without actually rickrolling you. Well, we got to do something to fight these single-digit temperatures we're experiencing. Highs in the low 20s is all we got for today. Mid to high 20s tomorrow, low 30s.